Welcome, everyone, to a brand new interview series presented by Touchline Thoughts, powered by the Garage Door Sports Network. We are calling it Spot Kicks Inside the 18. I'm Irfan Manji. Joined with me, as always, Paige Culver. What's going on? Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> I don't have the button yet, but we'll know, work we on it. I get the button. Yeah. No, I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So why don't we get right into it? I know our guest today has... Uh, a place to be to watch something so we'll let her go there but um, why don't you introduce her yeah so our first guest um, we all know her as coach Maria so coach Maria started playing soccer she's been playing soccer for years she did a little stint with the uh, Italian national program and went to Gannon University Um, after finishing at Gannon she realized her passion for coaching and wanted to pursue that uh, moving to England and doing her UEFA qualifications Uh, after a year abroad she returned as one of the highest qualified female coaches in all of Canada which is amazing we were on your website (laughs) we were on your website just looking at your qualifications and I think Irfan was like oh my god I cannot (laughs) believe how many and how qualified you are so congratulations on doing all of that that's amazing especially for for you know the female coaches in in Canada and thank you very much for joining us today yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I know sometimes when I send out my resume or update my resume, it's like pages long of qualifications, but no, I, I love it. I can't picture myself doing anything different. So yeah, and uh, and thanks for, for letting me go on time um, for those that are watching. I'm a diehard uh, Italy fan, so. <laughs> so speaking of being diehard Italy, um, what do you make of their first couple of games? Yeah, so first of all, I'm so excited to be finally back in a in a tournament. I think it was a really, really hard um, blow for, for Italy, the fans, um, and obviously the community, um, not being in the last major tournament. So being back is great. Um, it, it's such a different way of uh, Italian football. I mean, we're so used to Italian players defending and not getting forward and just kind of mm-hmm. counter-attacking, counterattacking and sitting back. But this year we're attacking, um, you know, we're trying new things. We're trying new players. Younger players are getting minutes. Um, you know, Donnarumma as, as the goalie, obviously it's, it's things for, for Gigi and not seeing him there, but to pass it on and, and be that young and not concede goals yet hopefully and not in his career ever conceding more than more than I think it's like two goals so yeah he's doing well the, the team's just looking great but again Gary Neville said it right Italy hasn't been put under high um, pressure and opposition so this Wales game will be good but I'm uh I'm I'm a happy fan because we're on to the next round which is not always the case for for Italy it always comes down to the last game so today mm-hmm. we could sit back and enjoy it hopefully win but know that we're on to the next round yeah, and I think the great thing about Italy this year, and Paige and I have said it, is they have a good transition. Yes, they have a, an aging backline, and that was the biggest question mark, but everyone else seems to be like handing it off to very good players. Like Locatelli has been phenomenal. I mean, you talk about Gigi and Donnarumma, that's a solid transition between high-priced goalkeepers. So, I mean, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, they'll play a little bit of a faster Wales team later on today, and we'll, we'll see if that, if that uh, affects them. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they'll, uh, it'll be a good game. I mean, all the Euro games so far have been entertaining. There hasn't been one game where it's just kind of been boring and you don't want to watch it. All the games have been great, which is amazing. I think coming back from COVID and, and seeing, you know, not all fans in the stadiums, but seeing some fans um, and just the way the, the tournaments played out has been, has been great. So I'm so happy it's back and, uh, you know, I'm itching to see what, what's next and who, who takes this. Exciting. Definitely. 
definitely. Um, yeah, so we'll just jump, you know, kind of into it now. We just kind of want to know, you know, when did you start playing soccer and when did your like love of soccer kind of grow? Because, you know, you did some stuff with um, the Italian national team and you played in Italy and you played at university. So just maybe touch on that a little bit for us. Yeah, so I think my love started. Um, I So I grew up in, in Toronto until I was like three, three and a half and we moved to uh, Vaughan. So just outside the GTA, so about 40 minutes north of of um, Toronto um, and we moved so I literally grew up across from Canada's Wonderland um, I literally we used to walk there at, at after school and like go on rides and stuff so I grew up there when we moved there there was nothing there um, I remember crossing tomato fields to go Vaughn uh, <laughs> um, soccer club one of the biggest I would say in in Ontario if not in, in Canada um, kind of started the female program um, there were a couple teams but when I started playing my brother is a year older than me and um, he started playing and I was begging him and like my dad was the coach and I kept saying please please bring me please bring me and they gave me like a little kit um, and I don't know if I was on the team or not they were just sometimes like <laughs> this little three-year-old um, and I would play uh, with him um, and then just kind of started there and um, obviously being Italian you everybody played soccer all my older cousins all my um, older friends on streets all my family friends so it was just kind of accustomed to play it um and uh yeah and and every every memory I have as a child is around big tournaments like the Euros the World Cup uh, Copa America whatever was on I mean this is before um they they stopped showing Italian soccer on on TV but we were watching it all the time um so it was great to to grow up watching that and then I just kind of obviously fell in love with it I fell in love with the Canadian national team and at that time the 99 world cup when I was nine I mean it was massive um to see um all these amazing players like Mia Hamm Brandy Chastain win it and I remember just being in awe and wanting to be at that level um and want to play so I just continued with with that journey um and just kind of stuck to that that sport I did play rep basketball as well but I always knew my passion would be with soccer and just kind of um, continue through my my journey and then I had an opportunity so I was cut by the provincial team here and I remember getting a letter in the mail before before they before email was a thing I remember getting a, a letter in the mail and I had been cut and I was like probably one of the last of the 42 to be cut and I just didn't understand why I showed well I did well and you know I got cut and uh, it was basically I played center back and I was short um, so I just, I was devastated. It was, I was 13. Um, and I said, you know, I don't want to play anymore. If this is the, this is kind of the image of me is that I'm not going to be able to make it um, right. with soccer. Cause I had dedicated everything to it at that point. So I went on a trip to, to Italy. Um, I played some games there and kind of just got scouted to say, Hey, do you want to come back and do your first year of high school in Italy? And you know, my mom was like, well, she's, you know, 14 now at the time. And, I don't know, this is a huge move. And basically I said, let me go. So I, I moved to Italy by myself at 14. Wow. And did, yeah, and did um, my first year there, grade, grade nine, and fell back in love with the game, ended up making it to uh, just like a third division team, then up to a second division division team, and then making our my provincial team there, and then getting scouted with the with the U19 national team and getting a few caps getting to travel on like a private private plane to play different uh provinces Unreal. it really turned my mindset around to say hey you know i this was one person's opinion of me 
um, and have that mindset that I've made it somewhere else, not in, in Canada, but I've made it somewhere else. And then, yeah. And then I transitioned to come back home and then uh, decided to, to go into the States because I didn't really do grade nine. I, I always say this is I would kind of go to school in Italy, look in the classroom and say, okay, hi, I'm here, put me down. <laughs> and then I go play soccer. So I didn't have the foundation of like what school it's so funny because like when I came back to high school here I would like skip class and people were like you can't do that here all the time but I was so used to doing it in in Italy I was like someone come play with me play soccer like no we have to go to class so I didn't have a great foundation of um what going to class was and stuff as, as silly as that sounds I didn't have like that mindset and that drive so I ended up going to junior college um getting my grades up and then transferring again and which was probably the best thing for me to kind of ground me but yeah, soccer's been my life and now I, I coach and I do it every day. So I was at a session earlier this morning, now going to go watch the Italy game and then go back to the field later. So it's like soccer all day, every day, which I, which I love. That's awesome. I love that. So do you speak any Italian then? Yeah, I do speak it. Um, all my, like all my family, um, as, as speaks it, I grew up speaking it. My grandmother was here for like, uh, I don't know when she Im- immigrated here and, um, she she was speaking like broken English so Italian was something that we spoke all the time when I moved there I found I was pretty shy and Paige I know you played there too so I understand it I speak it but I just find it I'm shy too it's hard yeah and I can imagine like Italians or someone else who doesn't speak English speaking it and like making mistakes so I, I just feel shy to speak it but yeah no I'm I'm fluent in it that's amazing I wish I was fluent in Italian. What a what a journey though, eh? Like you get cut here in Canada, end up getting caps for the the Italy national squads, and everyone's just like, "Wait, we just missed her." And I think that's the issue with with Canadian soccer players is that you know sometimes they get cut or they have dual citizenships, and we don't we don't see them play for Canada, and they've kind of lost that opportunity because of one decision that kind of you know stops them from getting that opportunity. Yeah. And I saw a lot of my friends and I look at like the nineties, like our group and Janelle Foligno was one of the nineties who made it and made it on the team Canada. But I look at some of the players that I grew up playing with and I'm like, why haven't they, they capped right. or gotten, gotten opportunities. I'm sure that's different for all the classes, but I felt that um, obviously looking at mine, it was a special class, like below us, there wasn't that many players that had been getting recognized like the the nineties or not above I remember there was a really good like ADA program out of a couple clubs I remember them being the talk of kind of Ontario and then and then the 90s and there were so many good teams but yeah like you said so many players just didn't make it on and I don't know if they question why I question why for myself and so many of my teammates but yeah like you said it so many players just decide to go play somewhere else with their citizenship yeah yeah it seems to be the uh the trend here in Canada unfortunately so how did you transition from then being a player into now being a coach? What was that like? Yeah, so I I went off to school and and like I said, like I think school is for for some people. I knew right away that it'd be tough for me to kind of keep going through it, get my bachelor's and, and keep going up through through those levels. I always and and I mean I wouldn't be sitting here and I tell my college coach this all the time every time I, I talk about him. Um, and I send them like that. I, hey, hey, Colin, like I've talked about you in another, uh, you know, segment or something <laughs> like that. He's like, oh, my God. But the reason why I'm, I'm a coach is because of him. And I used to go to training sessions as a player and like think as a coach. And I was doing things to like progress sessions already as a player. 
Um, and then obviously I, I got hurt and I knew I couldn't probably continue playing um, as high up as I would like. I wanted to go and go back to Italy or go try, try out in, in England, but I got hurt. I tore my, my ACL, my MCL um, meniscus. So I knew coming back probably wasn't for me. Um, and some people come back from, from it, but I just knew the mindset for me probably wasn't as a player. How can I transition as a coach? And I got a summer job as I was home from, from university. And, um, I, I just started coaching like house league kids, like a summer camp. And I, I loved it, but I knew that I didn't want to, sometimes those, those camps is unfortunately like babysitting. That's what we yeah. were basically doing, but I wanted to transition and be a high performance coach. So I started running some sessions for like friends of mine and, and stuff. And then decided I went through um, a, a pretty bad uh, breakup, which kind of like held me back from ever going to England. Cause I knew I had Italian citizenship at the time I could go live in England. And I said to myself, um, and, and now I'm going through my Canadian license, so it's different. But at the time I said, where can I get my license and challenge myself to get the hardest license possible? And I knew it was England. Um, so um, I went through that breakup and said, okay, now that I have all this time, let me go to, let me go to England. And I literally 2014 packed up my bags and, um, and, and left and uh, lived in a hostel with, with 16 people, people, three, $4 to my name and just kind of struggled i mean i was working for like a peer later like uh it was called royal mail like just sorting packages at night just to pay for my my accommodations wow. and i i really was grinding it in london and uh, i loved it and i would do it again in, in a heartbeat but just obviously save a little bit more than a little bit more money <laughs> than the four dollars yeah yeah wow that's awesome i i love that you're just so willing to like pick up and go you know like if that's your that's what yeah. you're dedicated to you're like 14 years old yeah i'm gonna go to Italy that's where I want to be or yeah you know I have no money but I'm going to England to get mm -hmm. my my shit done so I love yeah. that and I think um your players probably feel that now too that that drive and that motivation so of that's course amazing. it's that experience of your grinding and your grit I think if you pass it on to your players they'll learn to respect it and and realize that in life not everything's going to be put on a silver platter unfortunately you gotta you gotta find your opportunities and whether that's a massive incident like a breakup that pushes you in one direction or um, you know, not getting an opportunity at one direction, there's a door that's going to open. I think that's something that we have to drill into the minds of young athletes is there's a door. You just got to find it. Yeah. And every path is, is different. And I love it. I work with a, a FIFA agent, Chris McGrath, and I love what he says is football's a bit based around opinions. And it's so true. Not everybody's path. Everybody's always looking for, Oh, how do I get to the national program? I have to follow this path. Well, there isn't really a, a path um, and not one that is clear in getting in, in, in certain programs across the world. So uh, there's always opportunities for, for athletes out there and uh, everybody's journey is going to be different. That's why the sport is so great. Oh, for sure. So we, we kind of have talked about this before on Touchline Sports, you know, females uh, or Touchline Thoughts, females um, breaking through into this kind of male dominated industry and, and coaching we've seen it is very male dominated how do you navigate through that as especially as a extremely qualified female coach yeah it's it's unfortunate that i had the opportunity to work with 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 the mls academy and i'm not afraid to say tfc and you know i i talk about them all the time and there's been no kind of apology it's still really bitter to me but coming back and getting a job with tfc as the first female coach um I hate that it was the first female coach and not just another academy a coach. coach. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I get it. And, um, 
it was a very, very tough journey, but the best journey for me because I, I realized, wow, this is going to be an uphill battle just because I'm a female in, in this industry. And when I worked with them, there were some coaches that were so accepting of me, um, so accepting of, of my qualifications, who I was as a person. And there were some that didn't know I was CC'd in emails or talking about me and saying, oh, well, she's a, she's a female. Um, it won't be a good relationship with our players. And the players at TFC, no, no mind if I was coming down. But it starts to get a little bit aggravating when you're there with this high qualification. You just came off such a big license and now you're picking up uh, cones and you're just kind of standing on the sideline. Right. Yes. You're getting paid for it, but as a coach, I want to be getting paid and training and, and developing and working with the best athletes we have in, in Toronto. So um, I, I wanted to continue on with them. Um, there wasn't room and it was, it was a kind of a mutual decision, but more on their end that it wasn't, and I'll always remember it, a good fit. And it was no explanation as to why it was a good fit. So I experienced that pretty young, which taught me um, a great lesson, which now, um, you know, then I started my own business and everything. But that was kind of that experience that I think most female coaches have to go through. And it's unfortunate that we have to go through it. But I talked to so many colleagues across the world, and they're kind of going through those those picking up cones or kind of being that assistant. And so many right. times I go to a game and they're like, Oh, you're the trainer. And I'm like, no, like no. I'm the coach or, you know, I'm the head coach. And that's kind of those things that I hope the conversation changes. And, um, and for any male coach here or female coach listening, I mean, let's change the, that conversation. And I know there's so many different um, organizations that are trying to change that word as female coaches and not just say, Hey, I'm a coach. Yeah. Right, because you're more than qualified and probably more qualified than the male male coaches oh, that are there. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, that oh, that aggravates me so much because there's so much of this like stereotypical mm-hmm. masculinity, blah 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 bullshit. So, oh yeah. We talk about this all the time on the show. It, 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 <laughs> I think it's like at a point where we might pull our hairs out because we look at it and go, "Are you for real?" That's a comment that you think is appropriate okay and i think it's just the narrow-mindedness of people and not only just in in sports between men and women i think we see it in life especially during the pandemic that it just keeps coming out and you're like okay how are you thinking like this are you not thinking outside the box or this is is that what you would say to your mom like that's my first question is that would you say this to your mom no so you know anyway uh don't get me started on that yeah. well, uh, <laughs> i hope some of those coaches who have said that about females have a have a uh, a girl um, yeah a daughter a daughter when they're when they decide to have kids if they do because then they'll they'll feel it um for sure go through. so yeah no it's it's just uh, unfortunate but i mean there's been so many times where i've been called like i remember with tfc i was coaching a game and one of the opposition coaches called me a whiny female coach and i'm like well like why because i'm you know defending my players would you say that to a male coach call him a whiny male coach like what, what are we doing no. here was this so, during a game yeah, this was during a game. So the head okay. coach at TFC had gotten kicked out and I, I stepped up. And um, obviously when anyone had played TFC and I found that when I went to the games and I was helping out with the 2004 boys at the time, um, I found that everybody played much harder at T- against TFC, obviously because they want to show well, but not much harder in a way where they played better football. They played aggressive and dirty. So right. we um and it was literally a ufc match and that's why the coach got kicked out because he had stepped up and advocated hey listen we have to control the game here these players are are basically scrapping all kinds of names are being thrown out at the time they were 13 so you don't want a 13 year old boy 
um, talking that way. So it should have been called both ways. TFC coach gets gets thrown out. I step up as the head coach. The boys don't care that it's me or, or the head coach. They don't mind. But the other coach was just heckling me most of the time. Um, and I called the referee over to say, you need to start giving out cards both ways. It needs to be cards both ways, or we need to call this game. And he walked over and called me, oh, don't listen to that whiny female coach. And that little phrase has stuck with me forever because... Um, he mentioned the word female yeah. when he didn't need to... Right, yeah. And Even whiny. like yeah. yeah, but I feel like that's just like the trash talk that this guy was... That, that probably just exemplifies the way his team was playing. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's just it was a huge turning point for me to say this is going to be an uphill battle in this. And I remember calling basically anyone in my phone um, on the way home, and I was just on the phone all night, just complaining to people about about that comment. And I remember someone had said to me, like, change, change the conversation, keep doing what you want to do. Because I mean, I could have left the sport after that comment and say, you know what, this is not for me. But I continued in, it and it's been very successful. And now I, I honestly am at a point now where I'm so confident. I always say that I think I'm one of the best female coaches in Canada. And I say that with confidence, not being cocky. And mm-hmm. I, I don't care about those little comments because they're made all the time. The bigger you get on, on social media. And obviously I have a good following, the more hate that comes with it, but I'm fine with the hate because I know the love is there from, from the right people. And I know what I'm doing in the path I'm trying to create for right. players in, in Canada. Well, and you're paving a path for female coaches in Canada as well. You know, they can look to you as a as a um, inspiration and as a role model and see kind of the bullshit you had to go through to get to where you are. So maybe the road gets a little bit easier for the female coaches. So thank you for doing that and putting up with the bullshit to begin with. So <laughs> we love your perseverance. So if anyone says they hate you, we at Touchline Thoughts, we absolutely love you. So don't forget that. <laughs> yeah. We got you. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm going to screenshot all the comments sometimes people make about me. And one time I'm going to write a book. I'm going to just call them out on it. Um, coaching with Maria. And then what you can say is here's the greatness and here's yeah. the stuff that you just have to put, like put in the appendix or something. This, yeah. this is the stuff you <laughs> right. ignore. Yeah, um, right. Something that you mentioned earlier was the way you kind of communicated with the referee and communicated with your teammates um, and the players in front of you is how do you usually do that? Like, are you usually quiet on, on the touchline? Are you loud? Are you selective? Like, do you pick your moments to, to yell in order or do you, do you just see how the game flows? Yeah. Um, I'm someone that I, I tell teams that I take on and we lose a lot of kids to this comment, but we'll probably lose more games than we win. I don't care about, uh, OPDL or a, a, a ref regional game score. I care about players learning. And again, I don't say much. Um, I'm not a robotic coach. I've coached against hundreds of coaches who are like, pass here, go there, turn, shoot. And the minute they get the ball, they look at the sidelines to oh, what to do. So <laughs> I'm definitely not like that. I rarely uh, speak. Sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll say certain comments or give a really good halftime speech before the game and, and after, but it's more of a learning for me. I don't care about winning the Ontario cup. I haven't even came close to that. I don't care about winning the national title as much as it looks good on my resume and a player's resume. Um, that's, that's one moment that I've won Ontario cup. So I know how it feels and I would love that for my players, but that's not the goal for me. The goal for me is keeping players in, in the sport and keeping players who want to go in the sport in order to go and play on a scholarship or go play pro. So it's more about the journey and about them making mistakes. And we have to let them make mistakes because so many players come to me that have quit the sport and they've said, 
and I messaged them because someone had told me, hey, this player so-and-so has quit. And I said, give me their number. And I've convinced people to come back to the sport, not because um, I want them on my team. I want them to see the joy and love. And not everybody's going to go on. And it's a very small percentage of players go on. But everybody knows who's played sports. Sports has given so many life lessons. And that's what I'm trying to create for these these players is those life lessons. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very quiet. Um, I don't really say much. I just I just want them to have fun and, and make mistakes and learn. That's great. And I think that environment is so important because especially, you know, I'm obviously I've only ever played female soccer, but um, I see my, my brothers played men's soccer. My dad's coached both sides and you see the women are more robotic. If a coach tells you to do something and you, it's more of a female trait, you know, you do what you're told. And I think that's really great that you're creating this environment where you're able to be creative and think for yourself and, and do those things. And I think on the men's and the women's side, that's, that's extremely important. So um, yeah, that's great. I love to hear that because I'm, I was one of those players. It's like, coach, what do I do now? I have the ball. <laughs> like I've always been told to make this pass, but now I can't. <laughs> yeah. Right. You got to so generate think, your own autonomy. That's what I, I think that's what you're trying to teach everyone is you, you got to have your own life course, make a decision. You have a shot, take a shot. You don't have a shot. Think of something to do. Right. So you did your, your, um, your, you did your licenses in England and you're working on licenses here in Canada now. Yeah. And I have my American licensing. So it's crazy. <laughs> oh, sweet. Why, didn't you just pick, why didn't you just pick one? So, I mean, I wanted to see everything and I had the opportunity. So why not? Why not take it? And right. Uh, of course. Yeah. So I have it on all three, three countries. Um, and now I'm just going through my Canadian license now. So what, what is that like? Um, because they, the coaching styles are very different in every country. How have you, have you noticed that as, as you've been doing your coaching licenses that the the style of how they teach you or how they teach their players is very different. Yeah, much different. I mean, uh, Canada licensing, the reason why I didn't, I didn't get it at the time. I didn't feel I would be challenged here on, on the course. I mean, I got one of my licenses and I knew I was probably going to get passed because I was a female and that's, that's tough to say, but it's the reality. I don't, I don't hide anything of it. And I, I just don't care to, to hide the truth is I was 19 fresh out of, of playing had like that that summer camp that babysitting summer camp that I had worked and I got my which is now the C license my pre B and I probably ran the worst session ever I don't think anyone now if I ever ran that session would ever pay me or would never come back to my training but I ran a session that I knew I probably shouldn't have passed um, on and I did and um, there wasn't a lot of feedback as to why I passed that's the reason why I didn't move up with my licensing but I knew here was they needed a lot of work on on the courses and now they, they have um, here I find we're doing a lot of stuff around reflection and, and knowing who you are as, as a coach not so much and again it, it's a couple months in so it might change but it's not as hey here's what you need to know to pass here's all the words you need to know and here's all the different styles where the UEFA and, and um, my the USSF uh, licensing is very much do this. This is what you need to learn. But here we're going to get there, I think. And I think now that we're in a couple months of these courses, we will. But it's been a lot of reflection, which I love reflection. It just I want to be able to learn what our style and our method is in, in Canada. I don't know it yet. And we haven't been told, hey, this is the style we have. And I don't think we have that identity yet, maybe with the national program. Um, so I'm hoping it comes out in a Canada license yet, but I don't know because we haven't went there where the American is like, this is how you pass your course for one license. You have to coach one line of players. 
for your C, uh, you have to coach two lines. For your B, you have to coach three lines. For your A, you have to coach every single line of players. So it's kind of that structure and knowing those steps. And then the UEFA is very much lots of assessments, a lot of old school, like got to be there early, got to participate, got to help up clean where you get a lot of like those old school mentality. Um, but it's working on that DNA and you're given that England DNA is to say, hey, if you want to pass this course or if you want to find a player um, and move them up through the English national program, this is what a player needs to have. So you're going into a session and you're saying, okay, I need to instill these qualities in you. And if you have those qualities, you tick those boxes, I can promote you to the national program. So that's why the, the, mm. the UEFA was the best is because I learned about what it took to be a footballer and what they were looking for in a player. So speaking on that, how do you, so I know you're coaching a lot of players who are transitioning maybe into university or looking to go to schools, just skipping ahead here. How do you, how do you yourself look to recruit players or what do you recommend, like what coaches are looking for, for those players? Yeah, I think players and and coaches um, need to stop focusing so much on the technical. I mean, technical training and I mean I, I do private training there wasn't private training when I was growing up so obviously there's a niche now because the generations change where kids aren't playing in the streets they're not going out and, and touching the ball I tell people all the time I'm not making these sessions with fireworks trampolines the circus I'm doing stuff that I did as a kid I'm not right. recreating the wheel so they're coming to me for the technical work which they can do at home and I hope coaches who are hearing this get away from just doing technical work at training and focusing on, especially as those U16, 17, 18 is uh, phases of play and speed of play, because you know, Paige, better than yourself, the game from youth to college and then college to pro is, is so much, it only gets faster. Right. And these things are just not the tactical mindset of like transitioning into being faster in the speed of play is something we lack and players aren't ready for, or like, preseason when people are about to go off to the states and they're like oh I'll wait till August to do it and then they cram it in for two weeks and then they get there and they're like well wait well I did it for two weeks why am I not fit right so I think it's that mindset of getting them ready for what's next and telling them that it only gets faster and I keep telling them over and over I sound like a broken record is when things aren't happening I give them a lot of time drills and stuff if they're not doing it in those times I mean you can't play at the next level. So for sure. we're, we're trying to change that conversation. So for coaches, give them that technical work to do at home. Don't spend 45 minutes of your session doing it um, because they should be doing that at home anyways. For sure. And um, I mean, growing up, my dad always said, why are you not in the backyard juggling or something? Or like just touching the ball through cones. And it was like, well, we do that at training. Right. And it's like, <laughs> now looking back, I'm like, hey, dad, you were right. Why are we doing this at training? I could, I, we got a backyard. Like what's the we should be, and you're right, you should be at training, working on speed of play, making decisions quicker, making passes quicker, those kind of things where you should already have your technical ability down because you do it in your backyard every day. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's, uh, that's, that's so true. And uh, something that we need to change, like, I know parents don't want to tear up the basement, but I mean, I was smashing the ball off the off the wall all, all the time. And I mean, <laughs> there's tons and, and, I was just creating stuff that I think I, I would do. And like some coaches were showing me things to do at home, but like now there's no excuse. Go on YouTube, go on Instagram, Twitter. There's tons of free content out there that coaches are putting out for, for players and just try and recreate it yourself and spend that time. I mean, get someone in your neighborhood. It doesn't matter if they're older or whatever. 
I mean, there was no, oh, okay, you're a 2003. Only the 2003s can play right. uh, uh, soccer in the park together. It was whoever wanted to come play. Right, whoever was there, whoever lived there, whoever, bring a friend, whatever. Right. Sometimes we had dads playing. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Some dads were even by, more competitive. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. So how do you prep players for like big games or really important moments in their playing career? Like, what do you say to these players? How do you, cause as a, it's different from being a player and being a coach, you know, you know how to prep yourself, but how is it from like a coaching aspect prepping these players? Yeah, I'm pretty much still in the mindset. Like I, it's such a weird thing. And I, I'm glad you asked that question because sometimes like when a player's like going up for a header, like I'm on the sidelines, like doing little things <laughs> to receive the ball. I'm like, oh, I, I'd switch it or I see them do something. I'm like, oh, I didn't think of that, but I would do that. So I'm still in that like player m- mentality. And I always thought of myself, even as a coach, like sometimes I'll get in the sessions with the kids and they, they love it. The, ban- the banter's still there, but I love the opportunities to get them ready for, for a big game and going into a, a finals or, or something. I think now we, I coach a lot of the mindset of an of a athlete, a lot of athletes, especially coming off COVID and finally getting back and getting a, a camera on them again, because we try to film everything. Um, so getting a camera on them and they're making mistakes or something is, is more that mindset piece of getting them mentally ready and doing some self-reflection our players have to get there early, walk the field, kind of like the pros do, like walk right. the field, get used to the field, see if there's any bumps or divots or, you know, just picture yourself in that, that mindset. But it's definitely, it's definitely tough to, to get them ready for, for big games and big moments because um, I know what they're going through because I've been in those moments and I've been a player. So that's what I tell them and I try to relate more to them and try and just relax them as, as much as possible. And I think as a youth player, they think that this is one and done. So if they get this opportunity, it doesn't happen for them. Their career is done. Um, they're never going to make it. Um, so I try to remind them that, again, football is about opinions and that there is big games and they're going to go through big moments. I mean, you look at all the own goals of the Euros and players obviously have to transition right away after an own goal and get back into the game. And some of the players in the youth system after an own goal are worried. They're like, crap what is my mom or dad gonna say in the car or that's right. it, lost the game and so many coaches are like because of that we've lost the game and I've heard it from so many players so I we try to to get them as as relaxed as possible and hyped up as possible and whatever they need to do to get them ready we'll do if they need me to dance and do all those little TikTok moves I will to get them as relaxed as possible I love that coach Maria TikTok everybody <laughs> sweet um, I guess, okay, so you did mention something about how, as a former player, you have this thinking that, oh, I would have done this, I would have done this. Um, there's a lot of coaches in the game now that have become former players in the last, let's say, three to five years. Um, is there success in doing that? Is um, transitioning from a player to a coach and then going, well, I wouldn't do this, and then I would do this, and then sort of try and pass that experience on to your players? Or do you prefer that um, that sort of stamp doesn't come in and the players make the decisions for themselves. I hope I asked that correctly, just because I, I keep looking at a lot of like, I'm going to go back to male soccer coaches just because of Steven Gerrard being successful at Rangers, for example, or but Frank Lampard not being successful because he was doing something else. So like, how do we navigate that if you're a coach? And I mean, you know, you have a, like Sonia Bompaster over at Lyon is in that same position. She's a former 
a winner, but now she's coaching. Like, how do you differentiate between that when you know you're a coach and then when you know you're a player? Yeah. And I think the best example is, is what Pirlo went through at, at Juventus, um, getting the, one of the best in obviously Serie A and um, in, in Champions League and getting them with, with no experience. I mean, the guy didn't even have his qualifications to get the team and he was kind of going through it. So I think there's a massive, massive, massive difference from being a player into a coach. You have to be on the outside of that touchline and people don't realize that they, they think that like, like so many players think that, um, you know, because their coach is a former player that they should follow their way, but I want them to create their own path. So for any coach out there that wants to transition or sort of any player who wants to transition and being coach, get your license. I know there's so many private trainers that are, co- that are players doing it. Just get a basic license so you can see the difference in the way you have to be able to speak to players and the words you have to use that maybe your coach used. But um, I think there's that transition piece and it's not an easy one. I mean, I know a lot of players struggle becoming a coach and giving up that, that dream of, of being a player. Um, so it's that mindset fee, uh, piece for sure. But yeah, I, I would hope that coaches that are, are former players get a, a license so that way they can see it. It's not easy. Sometimes I want to be a player and I want to be out there with them, but I know my role now and I know my, my goal and what I want to do for the community here, here in Canada. That's great. And I think, you know, coaching, you have the opportunity to reach so many people. And and when your goal is a little bit bigger than just coaching, I think that benefits so many people. Cause like you said, it's a community thing. It's not just, this is my players. This is my team. That's all I'm going to do. And, and like I said earlier, you know, you're kind of paving the the way. And I think it's cool that you were a player and are now a coach because you do have a lot of coaches. Like I had coaches that I'm like, you never even played. You don't know what you're talking about, you know? So for me, I always respect a little bit more when you've been in, in my position so I can take your experience as well and your your now guidance. So I think a lot of players respect that and look up to that as well. You know, where Pirlo, for example, doesn't have his coaching. He's just a player. Yes, he's one of the greatest. But then you go to look at him as a coach and you're like, well, do you really know what you're talking about? I don't know. So I I agree with you. I think it's important to go get those licenses and and just have some sort of foundation in that transition. Yeah. and, And like you've said too, is like, I do recruiting. Like I help athletes get to the States and obviously in Canada, I didn't play in Canada. I played in the States, but I see so many recruiters who didn't play in the United States or didn't play in Canada. They're just obviously found a couple kids that they've, they've sent over, but they don't know the struggles of like missing Thanksgiving, missing right. not being able to come home um, or get a home cooked meal or playing in hot weather. So I think I do it a little differently because I've been in those positions where I've been away from my family and I've missed so many things. So like I say, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays now because I miss so many Thanksgivings in, in a row or Easter um, right. because I was away at school. So I think for players is, is I think they can relate to me more because I've been in their situation where I'm not telling a player, Oh, Hey, you, you're born here in Toronto. You love the snow, but Oh no, no, go play in Florida because there's a great offer for you. And now you're in Florida and like, you know, 30, 40, <laughs> Good luck. And you're like, why am I here? And not every yeah. player can do that or go to California. We have a player going to California, one of our first now, and she knows she's going to be away from home and probably not come home as often. But that was a conversation we had with her to say, Hey, you're going to school in California. You know, you're not going to be able to come home just that, you know, just drive home after practice and see your family. And um, I think those are things too, like you said, is something that I can relate to my players and 
I've been in their shoes, like you said, and I think that respect factor is there because they ask me questions now and I'm like, hey, I'm a dinosaur now. Like I'll get someone <laughs> closer in age to you to answer that question because obviously my journey in when I played at school is different than someone else. So I try to connect them with players and my players know I'm like, message this person, text that person, right. email that person. So that way they can connect with each other. Yeah. And, and get that same advice because it's always nice hearing from a player who's currently in that, in that role or at that school. Definitely. I, I agree. And it's learning from those experiences and, and, you know, not making the same mistakes and things like that. So, you know, kind of moving into our last question, we both want to know, Yeah. do you see yourself coaching outside of Canada or are you, Canada is it for coaching? Like that's where you want to be. You know, Juve has a, uh, has a coaching gig open just just putting that out there so yeah so we actually have a, a player playing there um on the u19 team Irina Tale, which I'm, I'm hoping will become a household canadian name soon she's she's 17 tearing it up playing with the u19s there at uve so dream job i would love to to obviously coach for uve because <laughs> i'm such a diehard fan and it was instilled in me as a, a young kid from my grandfather he's he was a diehard fan but um, I don't know kind of where the future holds. I mean, I'm open to so many, so many things. I think now I've kind of put the dream on hold of coaching professionally because I see a lack in youth players quitting the sport, especially on the female side and leaving the sport and not continuing on. So I've kind of found that niche in coaching youth, youth sports and being that supplementary coach to help them out on that journey down the line who knows where it'll lead if it leads into a job with a professional club I'm, I'm open to it um if it was to to be open now um i probably wouldn't wouldn't think about it um i think almost every year my college coach asked me to come back and and coach there but um i'm happy where where i'm at, where i'm at now um and and see what see, see where we go and i hope i could leave a legacy here for youth players and inspire thousands of players before I move on to what's next for me. Still, still young. So I'm, I'm excited and want to do a couple more licensing first before then maybe transition into the pro game. And hopefully we have a Canadian team. That's my goal is hopefully I can work on that, uh, the NWSL Canada team and be a coach. Uh, there. I yeah. love that. I love that. I'm, I'm here for the, I'm on team, get an NWSL team in Canada yeah. too. Yeah. And that would be great talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. I think eventually the more we keep pressing this issue of not having a professional league, the more the conversation will stir. So we just need people to keep advocating for it. And then hopefully there is a league and um, I, I would definitely apply for that. Awesome. I love that. Well, that's kind of all the questions we have. And um, thank you very much for being on our very first um, your very, our very first interview of our new series. And, um, we love, I know I have really enjoyed this conversation and, um, learning more about you and, and your experience as a coach and what you're trying to do for young athletes. I think it's great. Um, and yeah, so thank you for joining us today and thank you to anybody who's watching and listening. We'll have this out later this week. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. Yeah. yeah. When he posts this later this week, I'll either be crying or, or happy that, <laughs> that Italy won. So, but thank you for having me. I love the platform. I love what you're doing. And I, you guys are continuing to have those conversations and sometimes those tough conversations around, around sport and around soccer. So, you know, continue the great work and I love watching your stuff and I can't wait to watch the, the live that you guys do for the, uh, for the euros we'll do one we'll if one italy out. is in any of the matches we cover you will be we will have you there for the whole show 
How's that? <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I, everybody calls me a psycho when I watch the game. So I'll have my camera mute off, but I'll come on and, and give some information. Yeah. And maybe at halftime, what would you do differently that yeah. Mancini is not doing correctly? Although full marks to, to Italy and, and Roberto Mancini for changing the identity for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that does it for us today. Uh, we will see you next match day. Cheers. All right. Bye, everybody. See ya. We'll